All right, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the guards keep watch in vain. It is in vain you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives sleep to his beloved. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is the word of the Lord. It's interesting to think about this psalm in light of our transition into summer and our looking forward to summer vacation, isn't it? <laughs> Those of you who are on an academic calendar, teachers in the room, you are looking forward to a break from your work, I can imagine. Uh, we have a few parents with brand new babies who are transitioning from the work, their daily work to parental leave, which is an entirely new work, but we see you and we know that that um, is a difference, it's a change in the work that you're doing. And Psalm 127 has something to say about work, not leisure, so we'll get to that in another psalm, I imagine. We have a complicated relationship with work in our culture. On the one hand, there's this whole TGIF, thank God it's Friday, right? Just make it through the week. Everybody's working for the weekend. It's tedious, we're punching the clock. The culture kind of gives that refrain, right? Happy hours happening, just can't wait to get to Friday. Get work over and done with. But then our culture also views work as kind of like the, the thing that gives you meaning and purpose. How often is the first thing that you want to know about people, what they do, whether it's paid or unpaid, you want to know something about their work. It gives us purpose and meaning. But that can kind of get into overkill, I guess. We can get over-focused um, over on our meaning and purpose. A few years ago in The Atlantic, there was an article called Work Being the New God, and it was tracing the change in work from being an economic necessity to really being that sense of purpose and meaning and um, worship, actually, for people. If you think about the transition from work, think about Downton Abbey. Who are the people that are working in Downton Abbey, if you watch that show? It's the people with low income, right? It's the people who are laboring in the kitchen. The landowners are living a life of leisure. Looks like a pretty good life. They're not the ones who seem to be laboring, right? But yet in America, our culture has really shifted that. Stats show that the most wealthy tend to work the most hours, in fact, where other countries are reducing the work week to 35 hours, we're just like cranking it up, 40 hours, 50 hours, and there's almost a point of pride for how many hours you put in. So we have this strange relationship with work in our culture. We, uh, in college students call it the hustle. Uh, you graduate from college and you gotta be part of the hustle, right? Hashtag hustle, if you look that up. I was scrolling through that Twitter feed this week and I saw this one, literally. Want to achieve your goals? It's time to step up your game. Rise early, work late, give it everything you got, no excuses. Hashtag hustle. And in fact, to live on the North Shore and afford housing, you do have to have two jobs if you're a new graduate, right? There is part of that hustle culture. So where do you find yourself? What's your relationship 
to work. Maybe we need to ask, where's God in all of this? Work is good, and if you've been at North Point long enough, you've heard us focus on that. Work is good. It's created. We are meant to work. We're stewards of creation. But so often our work can feel meaningless, like a rat race, or it takes up all our meaning, all our purpose, all of our margin. Both of these are leading us down the wrong path. Our life and our labor have meaning and purpose when God is at the center. Let's look at the wisdom that Psalm 127 is going to offer us. So this is a wisdom psalm. It's not a confession psalm or a praise psalm. It's the psalmist wanting to give us some tips, basically. Tips for living, if you will. Wisdom psalm. First of all, let's look at, like, look, look at what it looks like when we try to do it on our own. That's what the psalmist is pointing out to the people of Israel. They are building their houses and guarding their cities, and this is their work, and it appears that they're doing it in vain. The, the psalmist is pointing this out. The builders are laboring in vain. The watchmen are guarding in vain. So what are they building? So this word house in Hebrew um, has a range of meanings. It could be their physical house. They may literally be working on the building of their house. It may be the temple of God. Solomon, this is a song of Solomon, and so it could be that the psalm is talking about the building the temple of God. The word house is used also to describe the people of David, the family of David, or the house of Israel. So whether it's their physical house, or the temple, or the name of the people of Israel, the psalmist is saying, you are doing it in vain, right? Maybe it's even a reminder to the people of that building project, uh, the Tower of Babel, where they said, let's make a name for ourselves, right? Let's build this tower. And, and the Lord thwarted their efforts. But the psalmist is reminding them that they're doing it in vain. It's not just their work that's in vain. It's their very well-being. Look at verse 2. They've been rising early and staying up late, toiling for food or as Flint read, um, eating the bread of anxious toil. Maybe they've been trying to gather up enough food for their pilgrimage. Maybe they're remembering their time in the desert when they didn't know if they would get food and they were worried, is the manna gonna come again tomorrow? Maybe they just are working long hours, getting up early and staying up late and lying awake at night wondering and worrying. When the Lord is not at the center, life and labor is in vain, says the psalmist. It's meaningless, or it lacks purpose. How is that true for us, too? We are busy people building our house. Maybe that is literally building our house, building this house that Many of us are working on and during COVID, DIY projects went straight up, right? The price of plywood quadrupled because everybody was building their house. Maybe that's what we're working on. Maybe it's building the church. Wouldn't it be great if we had 
a nicer building with a great space for our children and an elevator that always worked and really great coffee service as soon as you walked in. Maybe it's about building our own building here, building the church. Maybe it's about building our own dynasties. For some of us, that may be kids, maybe having a certain number of children or being able to have children at all. Maybe it's about having a certain kind of child or having children that live up to our expectations that make a name for us. Maybe you're one of those children feeling like you didn't live up to your parents' expectations. All of these ways in which we try to make a name for ourselves. We're laboring in vain, says the psalmist. So it's not just our building or our work, but it's our very well-being. The psalmist is calling us to. We're rising up early and staying up late, bringing work home and working late into the evening, and then staying awake from the worries of work. We're tired and anxious. Students that are focused on a grade so much that it disturbs their sleep, right? There's no room for anything else to do. Maybe work is so meaningful <laughs> that it takes up all your time and purpose. When we make work the center, our work is in vain. It's purposeless or ineffective. Unless the Lord. And that's where the psalmist begins. Unless the Lord. He says to the people of Israel, and this is a bit of a warning to the people of Israel, the Lord must be the center of your labor. When the Lord set up his covenant with the people of Israel, and they would remember this, he said, you shall have no other gods before me. When the Lord is at the center of their work, as they journey up to Jerusalem, if this is a pilgrim psalm, they're using this as part of their songbook on up into Jerusalem to look at this temple, to worship in the temple, and they would be reminded, the Lord is at the center of our worship. King Solomon took this responsibility seriously as well, to build a house for the name of the Lord. In 1 Kings 6, the Lord told Solomon, concerning this house that you are building, if you will walk in my statutes and obey my rules and keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will establish my word with you, when I, which I spoke to David your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people, Israel. Solomon is told that his labor will not be in vain, but that the Lord will dwell among the children of Israel. And with the Lord at the center, there is rest. We see that in verse 2, for he grants sleep to those he loves. He grants sleep to his beloved. And again, Solomon knew what this was about. In Proverbs 3, verse 24, Solomon writes that when you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet, for the Lord will be your confidence. And then we see how the Lord provides blessing. The psalmist provides a wonderful example in this whole next stanza. So the first two verses is the first stanza of the psalm. And then this whole next stanza is about God's provision and the Lord's blessing to the people. 
In stanza two, verse three, the psalmist tells the reader that children are an inheritance from the Lord. So let's go back in the story of Israel. When God called Abram, which is recorded in, in Genesis 17, he said he would make him into a great nation. And even though Abram had no children at the time, he took him outside and he said, look at the stars. Can you even count them? This is, this is the, the number of the nation that you will be. You will be a great nation. And he makes a covenant with Abraham saying, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I have made you into a father of many nations. God promises to be the God of Israel. If they obey the Lord, if the Lord is at the center, Israel will be a great nation. And the fruit of the womb that we see in that verse, the fruit of the womb for Sarah was a blessing. Well, she laughed. She said, that's not going to happen. And yet the Lord was true to his promise. At the very end of the psalm, the children will protect their father. They will not be put to shame when they contend with the enemies at the gate. Here the children will defend their father's name. They will make a name for their father, and they will guard the city. Notice how in all of this, a psalmist attributes all of this to the Lord's work, right? That they're a blessing, an inheritance, a reward. Happy is the man or blessed is the man. This is not the work of the people of Israel. This is all the work of the Lord. The psalmist is reminding the people of Israel that God has provided so much. They have an inheritance. He has made them into a great nation. Even as they go on, into, on their pilgrimage, as they use this psalm, they're reminded of God's promises to them. So with the Lord at the center, there is meaning and rest and provision. And that's true for us too. The Psalms were not just written for the people of Israel to use in their pilgrimage and their songbook. It's our songbook too. And this is true for us too. Unless the Lord, right? Unless the Lord is the center, this is what brings our work meaning. With the Lord at the center of your home, at the center of our church, at the center of our family, our work, our life has meaning. God calls us into this work. I work with students at Gordon and we often spend time wrestling with what they're called to do. What is their vocation? And we define vocation as reorienting our lives toward God and God's purposes in the world. The Psalms of Ascent are this reorienting of our lives, right? Of this long obedience in this direction. And this one is about reorienting our view of work. How do we do this? What does that look like practically for us? Years ago, Pastor David preached a sermon about work and he recommended that we start a midday prayer. And so I took him up on it and, and, and practiced this discipline of a midday prayer to pause at work and offer up to God what you've done already, what has happened, the conversations, the interactions, and offer it up to God, even ask for forgiveness for the ways in which you've gone wrong already by noontime, and then look forward to the rest of the day and offer that up to the Lord and ask the Lord to go before. It's a simple practice, but it's in this practicing, right, that we remember that the Lord is the center of our work. The psalmist is also reminding us that we will receive rest from our anxious toil. 
we don't need to think that we do God's work for him, right? The Lord is the center of our work, but we are allowed to rest. That's often what, how we understand Sabbath rest. It maybe feels like I just need to keep working. Everything has, it all depends on me. But Sabbath rest is a reminder that it's, it's not actually about you. It's not about me. It's about the Lord and he will, he will do and we get to rest. So how do we do this? Well, I'm not gonna talk about Sabbath rest. It's just that end of the day letting go. In our family, um, we would talk about this as a trust fall. It's another thing Gordon students do in their outdoor education program, La Vida or Discovery. You learn how to do a trust fall, which if you've never done, you basically stand in front of 15 students you barely know, right? And you fall back into their arms and you trust them that they're gonna catch you. And hopefully you've done enough team building that you're at a place where you can trust them, right? So we taught our kids at the end of the day, we're gonna trust fall into the Lord's arms. That's what sleep is actually, which is hilarious for a five-year-old because it means you just get to fall right back into your bed, right? Um, it's different, teenagers don't find that as fun, but when you're an adult, it's fun again, so go ahead and try it. <laughs> um, you get to trust fall into God's arms. And that's actually what we need to practice. Ending the day saying, Lord, we are your children and this is your world and we get to go to sleep. When the Lord is at the center, we can receive rest. And in this Psalm, we are also given a picture of God's provision. In contrast to the strenuous efforts of the people is a reminder that we have an inheritance as children of God. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Through Jesus, we are all sons and daughters of God. As a fulfillment of God's promise, Isaiah looks forward to a time, a new heaven and a new earth. And at that time, and this is Isaiah 65, at that time, Israel will build houses and dwell in them. And they will not labor in vain, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Isaiah is giving a picture of our new heaven and new earth. This is the hope of Israel. And it's a hope for us too. The Apostle Paul picks it up in 1 Corinthians 15 saying, looking toward that resurrection day, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We can trust that that is God's promise for us too. With the Lord at the center, our life and our labor have purpose and meaning. And so we know that this is about the Lord. That's where the psalmist begins, unless the Lord. The people of Israel would be reminded of this as they pilgrimage up to Jerusalem to worship the Lord at the temple, to keep the Lord at the center of their life and labor, to have meaning rest and inheritance to be the people of god and we have this hope too we don't need to be part of the hashtag hustle even though work is good and we're called into it we get to submit that to the lord our meaning and purpose is not actually found in our work how we view our work is part of that long obedience in this direction, looking upwards toward God rather than inwards toward ourself. Knowing that whatever work you do, whether that's home with little ones, whether that's teaching kids in school, whether that's working the books of a large organization, whatever it is that you do, know 
that your work is for the Lord and offer it up to the Lord. May the Lord bless you as you continue your work this week, knowing that the Lord is at the center and that your meaning and purpose comes from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the wisdom of the psalmist. And we submit that we so often have this turned around. We're caught up in our culture's emphasis on work or looking down on work. Lord, we thank you for our work. We pray for those who are seeking work or who are struggling with work. Lord, we pray that you would continue to provide. Teach us, Lord, how to focus on you and to remember that you are the center of our life. In your holy name we pray. Amen.